invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you can make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you can make it. Any questions I ask myself. What's up, Table Fam? How we feeling? No, but really. No. <laughs> you know those people that are like that? Like, how are you? Like, I'm good. And they're like, no, but really. Keep those people around. They're not bad. They're actually pretty good. Hey, um, so we're talking about anxiety tonight, which is really interesting. And one of the, just to set up anxiety, more and more people um, are having anxiety, right? Anybody born, anybody here born in the, like, the mid-90s, late-90s, early-2000s? Where are you at? What up, Gen Z? Come on. Hey, so uh, Gen Z, among many amazing things, is also known as the anxious generation. For whatever reason, you know, there's studies that come out for, for why that is. Um, but just anxiety is more and more becoming a thing. And here's what you need to know. It's terrible, and it can ruin your life. And that's all I have. Let's pray. No, but for, it's, it's not. Anxiety is this real thing that we're going to talk about. Um, just to set us up, though, um, I am not a counselor. I am not. I, I wish I was, but I am not. I pretend I'm like, so, I pretend I'm a counselor sometimes, but I'm really not a counselor. Um, actually, I, I got maybe the um, highest praise that I could ever receive on Sunday. Um, I was uh, facilitating residency one, uh, and there was one of the girls, because I'm getting my master's degree, and one of the girls in there says, are you getting your master's degree in counseling? And I was like, started crying, and I'm like, thank you, thank you. Like the highest praise she may be here. I don't know. She may, maybe, no, I don't know. Okay. Anyway, uh, that was weird. Uh, so I'm not a counselor, but I, I, just for a way to like help serve us um, the best that we can, um, I did as much the research that I could just to be as helpful as possible. So this is not professional advice. This is not medical advice. This is not any sort of thing. This is just me as a pastor caring for you and trying to be as helpful as possible. And after this, we'll talk about this more later, but after this, there may be some very serious next steps that you may need to take that don't involve me, or that they may, but more professional help, um, which we'll talk about that later. Um, but let me go ahead and say this now. Um, in my research, the single most helpful piece of research um, was this guy right here. And some of you may know him, uh, Dr. Henry Cloud. You may know him, you may not amazingly helpful. Um, he has a website called boundaries.me. So if you're not checking it out and you're curious to learn more after this about anxiety, about fear, about sadness, about grief, anything you want to know um, about just emotions and as well as setting boundaries, um, that's definitely a great resource um, for us. So we've been in this series called um, In My Feels, um, really exploring feelings and emotions and how do we process feelings um, and emotions in a healthy way. Like how do we as Jesus followers, as Christians, you may be a Christian, you may not be a Christian if you're here. If you're not, totally okay. Welcome to the table. Um, but we're saying, hey, look, Jesus is King. Jesus is Lord. We want to try to pattern our life um, after Jesus. So how did Jesus process emotions? Um, so the big idea um, that we learned um, last week was healthy Christians lean into their feelings. So what we learned last week, healthy Christians lean into their feelings. And we said, hey, look, and this is how you embrace feelings. This is how you lean into your feelings or these things. You got to name your feeling. You got to share your feeling and you got to grow through your feeling. So we learned that last week. Um, next week, just coming, this is kind of a pause in the message. Uh, next week, um, we're actually pausing our series. We're still having the table, um, we're just going to invite some special guests um, that are here. We want to hear their stories. So we're pausing our Inner Feel series next week, but we'll continue the week after that as we keep learning about um, different emotions like fear and sadness. Um, but today, anxiety. So my story, some of y'all know this. So I'm from Texas, God's country as we like to call it. Yeah? Any other Texans? Yeah, come on. Man, we are very proud everywhere we go. I love it. 
so I'm from Texas, and I grew up in a, in a Mexican. Uh, my, mo- my dad is Mexican. My mom is Puerto Rican. So I grew up in this, like, um, kind of Hispanic, but I, in, a, like, a rural town with, like, you either, like, spoke Spanish or you drive a truck. And some did both, right? So that was kind of my family. We kind of did a little bit of both. Um, but I realized my parents were amazing, and what they did was they showed me what love and acceptance looked like. Right? And then I had this realization, I want this from everybody. So I would just live my life trying to just get love and acceptance from everybody. And I realized, even though I was pretty emotionally unaware, um, I realized that in high school that my biggest fear was rejection. So then I just oriented my entire life to get love and acceptance from everybody and just to avoid rejection. So I go to Baylor University, Sikkim Bears, and then I live in Dallas, Dallas, Texas, where I start my career. A couple years in Dallas, um, I start, I'm hanging out with someone, and we start spending a lot of time together, and all I wanted was just this acceptance, right? And I feel like I kind of got it, and I'm trying not to be rejected, and, you know, we're hanging out, and things are, we enjoy spending time together um, until um, one evening where this person um, goes to hang out with some other friends. And I wasn't invited, right? And in that moment of not being invited, I'm like, why am I not invited? I felt, I kind of felt rejected. Like, what the heck? I want to go. I want to go hang. And it was a setting where I, like, I knew where they were hanging out. I could have gone. I could have just showed up. Like, hey, I'm here. Like it or not. Accept me, dang it, right? But I stayed home Friday night the biggest FOMO ever, right? I just like, it wasn't even a fear of missing out. It was like a known fact that I was missing out. Um, So I'm at home Friday night. It starts getting late. I'm there, you know, winding down. I'm there in my bathroom, just kind of powering down, getting ready for bed. And then hands start getting sweaty. Heart just starts beating. That mic really picks it up, (laughs) right? I start like, crying, start like shortness of breath, my first panic attack. I had heard about them. I'd never experienced one before. And I'm like, is this a panic attack? I don't know. And then I'm just like, I'm freaking out. I'm like, what is going on? Like, what's wrong with me? Like, never before in my life did I feel like I had to deal with anxiety. In real, I think I was just very unaware. Another story. But I just, for the first time, I'm realizing, wow, anxiety, this panic attack, this is part of my story now, right? This is in my my mid-20s. So um, that may be part of your story as well, right? Maybe you've had 100 panic attacks. Maybe you struggle with severe anxiety, right? Maybe you haven't had any panic attacks. You think it's stupid, and you think that anybody who would struggle with that is dumb, and then you just get it together and deal with it and suck it up, and let's not talk about it. Let's move on. Baby, you struggle with anxiety, and your parents were like suck-it-up parents, right? Maybe your anxiety doesn't lead to panic attacks. Maybe it's just you just feel stressed all the time, you feel tight, um, and maybe, praise God, your anxiety just isn't your thing at all. But here was my experience. When I had this panic attack, I feel like I couldn't tell anybody. I felt shame. I felt embarrassment. I'm like, what is, like, I'm, I'm amazing. Do y'all know me? I'm amazing. Like, why, why am I struggling with this panic attack, right? That's what I thought. So wherever you are on the anxiety scale, right? So in that moment, I just felt very isolated. So the reason we're raising this up, I was dumb and unaware, right? So um, wherever you are on the anxiety scale, like, I think tonight is going to be really helpful for you. 
Or if that's not you, it'll be your friend and maybe even the person sitting next to you. And it's going to be very helpful for you to journey with them as they process, right? But here's what I know. It's more people than not, right? So um, wherever you land, um, and or even before, if you anxiety, you know it's part of your story. You've talked about it being part of your story. Um, maybe you've gotten a lot of things right in processing anxiety. If, if that's you, great job. Here's what I want to do tonight. I just want to encourage you. I want to say, hey, you're doing a great job. It's really hard. Keep going. Um, or um, if, that's, if that's not you, or maybe um, I, if anxiety is part of your story and you just kind of feel lost and not really sure what to do and you're trying to take steps but not really sure what to do next, um, my prayer is that tonight you, we can just think through anxiety in some fresh ways that may be helpful to you. So at the end of this, it may be helpful, it may not be helpful. Um, that's just my aim tonight, just full disclosure kind of as we're starting. Also, I'm probably going long, just heads up. <laughs> Feel free to stick in there or if you gotta do what you gotta do, uh, restrooms are back there if you need it. Um, there you go. But are y'all with me? Are we good? We're in? Okay, cool. Let's do this. Hey, um, actually I'm gonna take, I can tell I'm a little nervous right now. It's cause, um, let, me, let me just pray. Pray for myself and pray for us. Um, Okay, God, um, I pray that I can be as helpful as possible. And it's not me, God, it's you. God, I pray that you just help me say uh, what you want our people and our friends and family to hear this, uh, this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if you've had anxiety or if your friend has anxiety, you're probably asking maybe one of these two questions. Right here, why is this happening to me? And is it ever going to go away? Why is this happening to me? And is it ever going to go away? So to set up our time, we're going to answer these questions as we kind of answer some other questions. Uh, to set up our time, we're going to be in 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 5. So if you have your Bibles, um, if you have your apps, it'll be on the screen as well. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, where he says this. Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So here, Peter is helping us kind of reframe, rethink through how to process anxiety. Um, so maybe you've read this before, maybe you haven't, but here's what Peter says. He says, casting all your anxieties on him, on him would be God, would be Jesus Christ, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Now, there's a lot in that very short verse, and we're going to unpack it a lot. But first, we're just going to focus on answering this question is, what is anxiety? What is it? Well, anxiety is this. Um, anxiety really isn't necessarily, um, at its core, isn't necessarily a bad thing. Because here's what anxiety is. It's this. It's uh, cares, worries, and concerns. Right? Cares, worries, and concerns. So to some extent, all of us have cares. All of us has, have things we're concerned about. All of us have things that we consider. Right? So anxiety really, like at its absolute core, is just things that we care about, things that we're worried about, um, or things that uh, we're concerned about. Um, here's what I want to help us kind of rethink through, though. Um, there's a difference, actually, though, between stress and anxiety. So what's the difference? Okay, so um, the band earlier... Okay, there's no... Can I... I, oh, no, I'm probably not going to do that. Okay, look at the guitar. There you go. <laughs> imagine a guitar, if y'all can imagine with me. Um, so a guitar, the way that it works is, like, you have the guitar, and then you strum on the strings, and then it creates this beautiful sound, right? So what's happening? Those strings actually have some tension. Those strings have some stress. And from that stress of the strings comes this beautiful, amazing sound. 
Well, we as human beings, in, in that way, we are designed to handle stress. That's just how we're designed. That's how our bodies work. That's how God created us. Is we are designed to handle stress. Um, when, I was in, um, when I was in junior high and high school, um, I ran track. Right? And if you ever ran track, um, then you, like, you know this, like, I ran hurdles. Um, I, there was one race where I fell at the last hurdle when I was going to win. Another story for another day. But uh, you know, when you line up to do hurdles, you kind of, um, or for any sprint race um, and some kind of middle distance stuff too, um, you kind of start here, and then you're here, and what's going on? You are ready. You are stressed. There is performance stress. And performance stress and stress in general, part of the way that we're designed is we're actually designed for that to help fuel us forward to go do some really amazing things, right? Um, any procrastinators in the room? Okay, and this is what I, my hands raise as well. Here's what procrastinators say. Like, oh yeah, no, 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 I give myself an impossible amount of time because that's when I perform best, right? So instead of doing it the day before, for me, when I was in college, um, I woke up at five in the morning and I was like, yeah, I'll get it done plenty of time, right? Well, to some extent, the reason that kind of works and the reason you do it is because to some extent it works is because what do you do? You put stress on yourself and in that stress, you actually perform well, right? So, so that's stress. Now, here's what anxiety is though. Um, anxiety looks at the guitar, right, and says, I'm fearful that the strings will break, so I'm not going to play. Right? Because even in stress, whenever we overload stress, that we have, um, it's, it becomes too much for us, and we create like the stress overload, uh, that's too much. But in stress, here's what you can do. You just stop playing the guitar, and you're good. When you're stressed in performance, you just stop doing that thing. When you're stressed at work, you will go on a vacation. You go on a mental break. Stress is your current situation. But here's what anxiety is. Anxiety is doom for the future. Anxiety looks at the guitar and says, I can't play it because it's going to break. The strings are going to break, so I'm just going to avoid that. With stress, you can turn it off. With anxiety, there is no off button. There is no switch, right? Anxiety is just fearful that something is about to happen, which is why whenever people say, stop being anxious, don't worry about it, go take a break, go take a nap, you're like, cool, it doesn't work like that, <laughs> right? Because it doesn't work like that. It's not stress. Anxiety is different. Stress is your current situation. Anxiety is doom for the future, right? For some of us, you are, um, you, you made it to the table and it took everything in you to be here tonight. And if that's you, amazing job. That was so brave. It's hard, right? Because our house is very safe. Our home is safe. Our comfort zone is safe. And anything outside of our comfort zone is scary. We don't know what's going to happen. So we just try to avoid it many times, right? Some of us are fearful for going on a date. Why? Because we don't know what's going to happen. We can't control it. We can't predict it. So we're just, we just avoid it, right? Um, for some of us, it's, it's social anxiety, right? We can't go out, be around people. I mean, sometimes we can, but it takes everything in us for us to go out to be around people. It's much safer at home. It's much safer when we can control it, control what's going on, when it's known, when it feels safe. Um, for some of us, it's performance anxiety. We just struggle to do some basic tasks, right? So here's what anxiety does. Anxiety can shut us down and it make life smaller. Anxiety makes life very small, right? So there's this big old world out there with all of these possibilities. And anxiety says, no, 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 no. Here's this world. No, there's so much unknown out there. You're going to stay right here. 
because we don't know what's out there and it's fearful and it's unknown and it's uncomfortable. So we're just gonna stay right here, right? Anxiety just makes the world very small and limits, limits a lot of our options, right? And some of us know this well, like anxiety will limit our lives. It's destructive. It's gonna take things away from us. So the second question is this, okay, well, what causes anxiety, right? So we kind of talked about what anxiety is. It makes the world really small. It's doom of the future. Well, what causes anxiety? Well, some of it's biological. Um, some of us are just, we're just born and from our parents' DNA, we're just, we're just kind of born with it to some extent. Um, but a, ma- a big part of it is just how we interpret our lives, right? Some of the information, so the way that our brains work is we go out into the world and we receive information and then we interpret that information. So how we terp- interpret that information is everything, right? So for some of us, this is a cause, a major cause of anxiety for a lot of us. It's threat of isolation, right? This was me. I grew up in really amazing parents and a really um, amazing home, but I'm still f- so fearful um, of rejection. I'm fearful of being isolated. I'm fearing if somebody doesn't like me, then that means nobody likes me. I get real anxious with that, right? So if you, um, our biggest need in life is connection. So if you grew up in a really amazing home with amazing parents, or if you have really great friends, you have a really strong sense of connection. So whenever you meet somebody that's not good, right? So imagine this, imagine you grew up in your house with your parents that loved you really well, fed you meals, right? You love your mom's pancakes. She puts bananas in them, right? And then you go to school, Somebody's bad to you, harms you, is, calls you a, a poo-poo head, right? You, uh, have you ever been called a poo-poo head before? It's, it's hard. It's hard, right? <laughs> so you, you go home, and your parents are like, it's okay, honey. You'll be fine. And you're like, <laughs> you're right. I'll be fine. They're the poo-poo head. And your parents are like, that's right. Let's go get ice cream, right? <laughs> so bad people, they don't, they don't affect you as much. Okay, but let's say that you don't have that. Let's say that you grew, up, you grew up in a home that wasn't safe, where you don't have that love and that connection. Now you go to school and somebody calls you a poo-poo head and you're like, I am a poo-poo head. And everybody thinks that I'm a poo-poo head and I'm gonna be lonely for the rest of my life because I'm just big old poo-poo head, right? Threat of isolation or, or this, like you, um, maybe you grew up in a house to where, um, you know, your dad just wasn't great and um, he just really liked things a certain way, and you couldn't always do things a certain way, and there would be conflict, and every time there was conflict, what would he do? He would get up and he would leave. So now, you associate conflict with abandonment. And anytime there's some, any sort of sense of like being disconnected or being abandoned, it's gonna bring up um, these anxious thoughts, this anxiety in us that's gonna, that's threatening that we're gonna be isolated and lonely um, for the rest of our lives, right? And any time that we um, get into a situation that symbolizes rejection, right, it may make us anxious. So maybe um, a job interview, right? We feel like, man, I need to land this job interview because if I don't get this job interview, then I'm a failure, nobody likes me, and I'm going to be rejected. And we put everything that we have into where we work. Why? Because we're missing and longing for that connection. So we, st- we start getting very anxious about work. Or um, let's say that in dating, right? You just are somebody that like, I just need to be in a relationship. I need to be going on dates. I pu- I'm putting all of my identity in, in being in this. What's going on? Well, 
there's a lack of support system, a lack of connection, and you feel like a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a significant other, or not even that, maybe just going on a string of flings, um, this is the only way that I'm going to not be isolated. So I'm just going to go from person to person to person to person. Why? Because we're trying to fill, not be anxious about this threat of isolation, right? Or for family stuff, I mean, this is Orlando. A lot of our families were not great. And that's part of the reason why we're here in Orlando. You maybe even grew up here in Orlando and your families aren't great here in Orlando. But what's happened? Um, maybe you have, um, have a really strong sense of connection and support here at First Orlando, at the table. So now as you think through family stuff, it may have taken you a while to get there, but as you think through family stuff and extended family stuff, it doesn't make you nearly as anxious. But let's say you don't have that. Let's say you're here tonight, maybe for the first time, second time, third time. You may come, kind of drift through. You don't really feel super connected here for whatever. Um, so now, as you think through family stuff, a lot of anxiety comes up. Why? Because of threat of isolation. Okay, number two, cause of anxiety. Uh, lack of ability to control. Right? So if you grew up in a chaotic world, um, you're probably way more prone to anxiety. Right? I think we talked about this a little bit. Uh, kids need structure and order. Okay, imagine this. You're at home as a child, and the house is on fire. Okay, if the house is on fire and your fear of getting burned, how are you going to learn how to brush your teeth? You can't. It's a lot more difficult to learn these things that we learn in life. Why? Because we're having to deal with this chaos that's going on in our home, and we're just super chaotic, and we, and we, ha we struggle um, with these, these things that we learn, and we're just trying to control it. So then you're like, okay, I'm, you, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to control the situation, right? Nobody's out here creating order for me, stability for me, so I need to create it for myself. So we put up, let's say, there's, we, we, you go on YouTube as a six-year-old, and you're like, I'm going to create a firewall, and you just learn how to build a firewall. So now as the house is burning down, you're saying, hey, look, but that, at least it's staying over there. I'm going to control so it's not affecting me. And then it kind of worked and you kind of created some stability for yourself. But something happened in you. I need to control everything or I'm not safe. Right? Enneagram type 8's in the room, maybe. So we, we just tried, uh, myself included, uh, so we tried to just control everything. And whenever we, we realized that we have this moment, where we can't control everything. And then that's whenever we start kind of spinning and we start getting out of control because then we get out of control and then we feel like our world around us is out of control. And whenever we feel like we can't control the things around us, we get anxious. There's a lot, a lot of anxiety, right? And people, um, those of us with control issues, we're afraid that something outside of our control is going to hurt us. So it's, let me say this too. It's not um, up to this point, if that's you, you have done everything that you've needed to survive. I'm not diminishing it. I'm not downplaying it. If control is your thing, look, you are doing what you need to survive, and you've done a really good job getting to this point. Okay? So I want to say that too. Um, so that's some of us. Number three, um, interpretation of failure or loss. Okay, um, imagine this. Uh, you are um, either some of us in the room, we are 18, right? Um, but if you're not 18, imagine, go back to when you were 18. Okay? So 18-year-old self, what did you imagine? You imagined, man, when I'm 26, this is what the world is going to be like. <laughs> when I'm 26, I have a six-figure job that I love, and I've gotten promoted 14 times, and I have amazing coworkers, and a boss that basically just like lets me thrive and do whatever I want to do, right? 
and I have a husband or a wife, if you want that, or you know what, maybe at 26, I'm not ready, but man, I'm dating really well, right? Uh, I have so many friends, like I've had to like, I've, I've had, so, I have to like cancel plans with these group of friends because I'm hanging out with these group of friends and my life is amazing. Man, 18 year old self was like 26 year old self. I can't wait till I get there. How many of you are there now? <laughs> what have you realized, right? Well, um, for some of us, uh, ideal is different than real. For some of us, we, we drained up the ideal, right? We love to imagine the ideal, and real has not matched the ideal. And because of that, we feel like we failed, right? So have you heard the term a quarter-life crisis? It's a real thing. Why? Because in your mid-20s, you get to this point to where you realize that the reality of your life is very different than what you imagined when you were 18. Real is different from ideal, right? So, like, you thought you'd go to college uh, and get your uh, MRS degree, and just like, I'm just going to get married, right, if you want that, and I'm going to travel the world. And you get to your mid-20s and you realize, okay, I haven't gotten a date in three years, and plane tickets are expensive. <laughs> Real is very different than ideal, right? And how, so for this, for interpretation of loss or failure. So look, this is just reality. And for those of us, we know this and it's very real. We've had to process this. Um, how you interpret the reality of your life is everything. So if you interpret things that are not perfect as all bad, then you're like, the world's a failure, I'm a failure, right? If you realize, see the imperfections in yourself, and you say, there's some, there's some bad in me, so I'm all bad, or you look at somebody else, and you're like, oh no, there's a little bit of bad in them. They weren't perfect, so they're all bad, right? So how we handle good and bad, um, and how we handle things not being okay um, all the time, um, do you immediately go to everything is terrible, I'm terrible, everybody around me is terrible, and I'm a failure? So that may cause some anxiety for you. If processing good, the good and the bad that's in life, processing what was ideal and now what is reality, um, how we interpret that, that may cause some anxiety. Okay, number four, um, equality of adults. Equality of adults. Here's what I mean by this. Uh, so when I was uh, 25, um, I went um, on a mission trip to the Philippines. So when I was in the Philippines, um, I was there and we were doing some, um, some evangelism to where we were going um, from door to door, door to door in this village to go tell people about Jesus. So they started pairing us up into groups. So we did this like kind of training session. And then in the afternoon, they put us in groups. So I get put in my group. So in my group is me, um, this 17-year-old girl, this 16-year-old girl, and this 13-year-old kid, boy. All right. And I'm thinking, oh, man, we're about to go door to door. Where's the man in our group? We need to be safe. Because <laughs> that was me. I'm 25. I'm the man in the group that's going to keep us safe, right? So what happened? I did not, and it really, it was kind of funny to, as it was to y'all, it was kind of funny to me that I even had that thought of like, where's, where's the adult in the room? Like, where are they, right? I was the adult in the room. But what happened? I didn't view myself as an equal with adults, 
right? Because you know this, when you grow up as a kid, you need adults that tell you what to do and are going to provide a very nurturing, safe place for you. And to some extent, like from the ages of zero to 10, your parents to some extent are dictators, as it should be. Where like a, a nine-year-old doesn't get to choose um, when they want to go to bed or whatever they want to eat or whatever. Like good parenting is you go in and you tell basically from zero to 10, you just dictate to them how they live their life. When they start becoming, you know, 11, 12, 13, there's some negotiations, um, you know, this maturation process starts where eventually you get to 18 and you become an adult, right? But for some of us, that wasn't our journey. We never developed from being a kid and be, being told what to do to an adult. Because what happens when you're an adult is your opinion, right or wrong, is as equal to the opinion of another adult, you can disagree with another adult and be okay. But for some of us, we, we look at um, our parents, we look at um, our bosses, we look at some of our mentors, and we feel um, so judged by them, we feel inferior to them, we feel like we, we're not where they are, and that just like, causes us anxiety because we're constantly trying to perform for this authority figure to tell us what to do and to give us life direction. But look, if you're in this room, you're an adult. And for some of us, we need to develop to realize that we are equal with other adults and we don't need necessarily, there's mentoring which is good and life direction which is good, but foundationally, we need to view ourselves equally with other adults, right? So that's uh, kind of the summary is one, threat of isolation, two, a lack of ability to control, three, interpretation of loss or failure, or four, equality of adults, right? And for, for some of us, we've gone through some very, very traumatic things in some of these areas. For some of us, we have some very deep childhood wounds, and that's why that we, we these anxiety, that's why these things give us anxiety, because we had experienced trauma and we've learned to cope, and we've learned to do what we needed to do, and we've learned to set up ourselves the best that we can uh, for success. So I'm not minimized. If this is, I'm on probably two, if not three of these, if not all of them, right? To some extent, all of us can identify with one of these things, and that's where the source of our anxiety comes from. But often, it's the fifth cause of anxiety that gets us. It's the anxiety of the anxiety, right? So one through four is just normal causes of anxiety, but often it's the anxiety of the anxiety, right? So we, we know that we start getting anxious about, some, about something very specific, and then what happens? We start getting anxious about that anxiety, right? And then, and then it starts building up. We're like, oh no, it's getting worse, and it's getting worse, and oh no, I'm getting anxious about the thing, and we start, we start getting anxious about getting anxious. It's the anxiety of the anxiety, so, and we know this, so anxiety is going to make our world very small. So those of us that, it's, it's not necessarily anxiety, but it's the anxiety of the anxiety. That's what we live in very small worlds. And we've just, we've done that because we needed to survive. Um, but the question that I want to ask now is how do we deal with anxiety? If we know what anxiety is, and if we know um, how to, if we know what causes anxiety, how do we deal with anxiety? Well, we have a few options. So option number one is neglect, right? And maybe this was you, right? So uh, you pretend anxiety isn't real. And if you grew up in church, this is probably the option that you experienced, right? You started getting anxious, which is very real and very valid. And then what does somebody come in? You know what Jesus says, right? Jesus says, don't get anxious. And you're like, 
but I feel anxious. They're like, yeah, but Jesus says, don't get anxious. So you're bad. You're evil. You're a bad Christian. You're not following Jesus. So what do you got to do? You got to pray more. Just pray more. Read your Bible right there, right there. It says, don't get anxious. I grew up in the South, hence my accent. Pray more, trust God more, read your Bible more. Your anxiety that you're experiencing isn't real, completely invalidates, diminishes the real thing that you're experiencing, right? So, so that's option one. Maybe we've, and then now, but now we're thinking, okay, well, look, I, I truly am trying to follow Jesus here. Like, I really do want to be a genuine Christian with real faith. Okay, so um, now I just need to pretend like my anxiety isn't real. And we shove it down and we minimize it, and we neglect it. And for some of us, that's still where we are right now, where we're just like pretending our anxiety isn't real. Um, fortunately, um, for some of us, we know that's not a great option. We know neglect isn't great. Um, so what do we do? So for some in the room, we do choose option number two, avoidance. We avoid anxiety, right? I think this is um, a lot of us, uh, for me, for a big part, we avoid, right? So we're okay with our small world, we're okay with our comfort zone, um, and we just want to stay in our comfort zone. And we look, we know that we know the things we're, we're aware enough to know of the things that give us anxiety. We're very aware. So what do we do? We avoid those things. Why? Because we're trying to survive. We're trying to move on. We're trying, look, I'm trying to be a healthy person. I'm trying, I'm trying to live my life. I want to be, you know, just a member of society. Like I'm trying to move forward, and I know the things that give me anxiety, so I'm just going to avoid, and I'm going to stay over here. And really— the thing that we're trying to avoid for some of us is panic attacks. Because we know the anxiety that's over here, those specific things that I know, I get real anxious about the anxiety, so I'm just trying to avoid a panic attack, right? So um, two, when was this? Uh, three years ago, two years ago, two years ago. Two years ago, um, I was in uh, the Chipotle and Millennia. Have you guys been to the Chipotle and Millennia? Okay. Are we Chipotle people? Are we... Some? Okay. I say this because I want to be um, affirming. I know not everybody's a Chipotle person. I don't understand, but I can, I can affirm and accept. Okay? So, you know who you are. Okay. Uh, there's, but I was at Chipotle. I love Chipotle. My wife and I eat Chipotle once a week, twice a week. Twice a week, twice a week, three times? <laughs> twice, a few times. We love Chipotle. So, but I was at Chipotle before we were married. Um, I was at Chipotle and um, I was um, with, with a person and we're at Chipotle and I realized that I need to stop spending time with this person. And I kind of knew it, but I didn't really want to think about it. So here we are at Chipotle and Millennia and we're in line. Oh no, hands sweaty. Heart beating. Shortness of breath. I start crying a little bit, but I'm still like, burrito, black beans, white rice, lettuce, corn. If you ever want to get me Chipotle, write that down. Um, corn, cheese, lettuce, no drink, I'm good. So get my order. I'm freaking out. I know what's coming. I've, happened, I've had this happen before. We go with the stuff down. I sit down. The person's like, are you okay? And I'm like, no. So I get up. And if you, the Chipotle Millennia, you know they have that side door that you can't come in of, but you definitely can go out of. 
So I just, I was like, I'm fine, I'll be back. So I go out the door, literally put my hands on my head, just start pacing around the Target parking lot, just, just trying to catch my breath. Literally like this. Oh, that made me lightheaded, I need a drink. Ah, my second panic attack. It was terrible. I hated every second of it. I wish it didn't happen. I, I wish I could avoid it at all costs, right? I wish I didn't have the first one. I wish I didn't have the second one, all right? But for some of us, we avoid anxiety because we know it's gonna give us anxiety attack, right? So here, if you're just, I wanna explain just a little bit just to help either you or help our friends. I'm gonna nerd out if you join me. Um, I'm just gonna talk, that was mean like nerding glass. Okay, anyway. Um, with, uh, so with, uh, I have a chair, I'm gonna sit, here we go. <laughs> so with, with panic attacks, right? So here's, here's what's happening. Um, we, our brains are wired to tell us that there's danger, okay? So the, the amygdala in our brains um, are wired to tell us that there's danger. And when we know there's danger, then we, you know, have heard you fight, flight, freeze, right? We're, we're designed, we, we do these certain things because we're trying to protect ourselves from danger. But here's what happens. We have the higher function, functions of our brain that can, can alert our amygdala when it's a false alarm. So the, the panic attack is basically saying, hey, there's danger. I'm scared. I'm, my body is going through the process of processing. I'm in a very dangerous situation. And here's what happens is because of what, the anxiety that we have, uh, the anxiety of the anxiety, the way that grew up, the way that we were born, for whatever reason, it's not right, it's not wrong, just for whatever reason, um, the higher functions of our brain can't get through to the amygdala to tell them, hey, look, it's a false alarm, right? But it truly is a false alarm. Um, you can't die from a panic attack. Um, you can't um, you know, you can't die uh, from anxiety, right? So that's, that's what's happening is that your, your mind and body are reacting to a false alarm, right? You, in your mind, you're, it's saying like, there's doom, I'm in impending danger, I need to get myself to safety, I need to pull it together here, we just gotta survive this thing, right? But it, it's a false alarm and the alarm is going off, right? So we feel like your world, your life, your safety is coming to an end. Right? And here's the thing, you're, you're designed to act that way. You're designed to act that way to, to, for yourself to be alert of when there's danger. So that's part of how we're designed, but it's a false alarm. It's a false alarm. Okay, so I'll talk about how to deal with it here, here in a little bit, but I just, I'm saying this to say, look, if you struggle with panic attacks or if you see somebody struggle with a panic attack or struggle with anxiety, it's real. It's very real. You can't just tell somebody to snap out of it because you can't. It, your body has to go through the motion. They typically last 15 to 30 minutes, sometimes longer, sometimes shorter. But it's very, very real. And we need to, I'll talk about this more again later, but I'm here, I'm going off script. Uh, we just need to care for people and love people well as we're going through panic attacks, as well as care and love ourselves when we are going through panic attacks. Okay, so if, but I say that to say, um, so, so because they are absolutely terrible, they are very real, and very terrible, so what do we do? We tend to avoid anxiety, and we tend to avoid panic attacks. Why, because they're terrible. It makes sense why we would avoid it. It makes so much sense. So we tend to avoid it, right? So we're gonna move away from what we're anxious about, and what happens whenever we move away? Anxiety goes down, right? But here's what happens. This is where some, some truth is coming in now. 
Um, we never learn to deal with what we're anxious about. The more that we move away from anxiety, the more that we move away from the things that make us anxious, the more that we move away from panic attacks. We never learn to deal with a thing that's making us anxious. And our world stays very small and our options are very limited. And we stay in our, in our bubbles because we're trying for safety. But here, here's what I want to say, right? If, if, if you've been avoiding anxiety or if you've been avoiding the things that give you anxiety, um, it, it reinforces the problem of the things that, that we can work through, right? But if you've been doing that, if you've been avoiding anxiety or avoiding the things that give you anxiety, like you're doing what you need to survive or what you thought you needed to survive up to this point, right? So really, really good job. We'll make sure I say that. Re amazing job doing what you need to do to survive. Um, but here's what I want to do for the, the, our remaining time together. I told you I was going long. Um, because I want to give us some solutions. Here's what I want to do. I want to propose an alternate way to live. If anxiety is a big part of your story, or if, if anxiety is a big part of your friend's story, I want to propose an alternate way. Now, what I propose, you may like it, full on amazing. You may hear what, what we're about to talk about, and you're like, you know what? That is not for me. I, I like, I'm going to stay here in my comfort zone. I know it works for me. Hey, that, that's totally okay. So if you, when we get to the end, if you like it and it's helpful, great, use it. If you don't want to use it, hey, look, it's you, between you and God, what you want to do. But here's what I want to do. I want to provide an alternate way for how we can live. And here's the big idea. Option three is this. Option three, face it head on. Face anxiety head on. So, and here's the big idea. Oh, that is a big idea. Okay. <laughs> there we go. That was, uh, that was me. Uh, big idea. Face anxiety head on. That is an alternate way. In my opinion, um, it's, it's a better way than avoiding anxiety, avoiding panic attacks. We got to face it head on, right? And that's scary, terrifying, so hard, so tough, right? It's, it's scary, right? But this is the better way to live, is to face anxiety head on. So we're going to go back to the verse that we introduced, 1 Peter 5, 7, where he says, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. So we know, hey, look, as we're facing um, anxiety head on, right, we know that we can take all these anxieties and we know that we're not just avoiding them. We're not neglecting them. Here's what we're doing. We're giving them to Jesus. And we're going to face them head on because we ain't scared, y'all. We're going to look at our anxiety in the face, knowing that Jesus is with us, Jesus has us, and he's there to help us move forward with the help of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to be scared of anxiety. You have the power of the Holy Spirit in you, Jesus Christ, that gave his life on the cross. Why? So that you didn't have to be scared about your anxiety. You can face it head on with the same power of the Holy Spirit that rose Christ from the dead is the same spirit that's living within you, to move forward in anxiety so it's no longer holding you back. So here's my hope today. For, we still have a little while longer because I want to give us some very helpful steps. But here, here's my hope. Is that maybe for the first time ever, you have hope. You have hope in your anxiety. You have hope for your friends in their anxiety. And you know that anxiety is not something that's going to hold you back anymore. No longer. Today, today is um, February 2nd, 2021, the year of our Lord, right? And no longer we have to be scared of anxiety. It's hard, but we know that we can look at head on with Jesus. 
Okay, so if that's true, if that's true, how do we do that? So uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to look in Philippians, Philippians chapter 4, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9, where it says this. It says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not, what does it say here? Do not be anxious about anything. So here's what he's saying. He's not saying, hey, don't feel anxiety. He's saying, don't let anxiety control you. He's saying, don't, don't shy away from anxiety. Um, don't orient your life based on your anxiety. He's saying, look, don't be anxious. Look, we're going to feel real feelings, right? So um, the uh, Apostle Paul here is not telling us like, hey, you're a bad person if you feel feelings. No, he's saying, don't be controlled by your anxiety. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, listen to this, y'all, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, right? So anxiety is real, it exists, and it's really hard, but we can't be controlled by it, right? And we need to bring God into the process of facing anxiety head on, looking it square in the face and saying, I ain't scared of you. Well, kind of, but Jesus has my back, right? <laughs> with prayer and with thanksgiving, being very honest with God, right? It says, um, um, you know, make your request be made known to God. That's like, I'm being, God, hey, look, this is what I'm struggling with. Here's what I'm going through. Here's what I need from you, right? Make your request be made known to God, and that's going to lead us to peace. Now, if you grew up in church, that's not the first time you've heard that. You've heard that before, and you're like, I've kind of tried that, and it kind of works, and it kind of doesn't, and it kind of works, and I, I think it works, and it's helpful, but I was kind of hoping I would get something else out of this, right? Well, here's the something else. I want to give us very, very practical steps on what we need to do to face anxiety, and also we're going to end with some very practical practicals. Um, okay, so we kind of have two, two sections left. So first, how do we face anxiety head on? How do we face anxiety head on? Number one, you have to accept it and see it. Accept it and see it. You have to observe it, right? So maybe you heard it said, hey, you got to talk. You see anxiety, you got to talk yourself out of it. No, no, do not talk yourself out of your anxiety. Talk yourself into it. Tell yourself that you're anxious. Be very specific with the things that we're anxious about. Don't avoid it. Don't, um, don't pretend it's not there. You have to accept it and you have to see it right? So look, don't talk yourself out of your panic attack. Talk yourself into a panic attack. That's how you move forward. It's really hard. It's really scary, right? But you have to be aware of what you're feeling, what you're noticing, um, and accept it, and you'll observe it, right? When you're, this is how you get through panic attacks. When you're with a panic attack, you start saying, okay, my hands are sweaty. Yep. Okay. What else am I observing? What else am I seeing? Okay. I have shortness of breath. Yep. Yep. I feel that. I feel that. If you have a friend with you, I hope you do. They're asking, okay, what else? What else are you feeling? What else are you observing? What's going on? Okay. I have shortness of breath. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. I can, I can hear that. Heart is going. Yep. Yep. What else? See it and observe it. You have to. It's the only way. It's the only way. See it and observe it. Right? But also, um, don't identify with it. See it, and, see it and observe it, but don't identify with it. Maybe um, I have a very, very good friend of mine that I've flown with many times. Um, he gets very anxious on airplanes, right? Then maybe you. 
And, you know, so he'll like kind of grab, grab the seed and kind of start doing this thing. And like, and I think he's processing really well, but here, here's, how to, here's how to accept it and see it without identifying with it. Your brain starts thinking, you know, like, hey man, so what are you thinking? The plane is going down. And you're like, okay, that's a thought. Yep, not invalidating, not making him feel dumb. It's not, but not making him feel, that's a very true thought that we have. So name it, see it, observe it but don't identify it with. Don't, don't put on and never take off. The plane is going down. It's going down. I know it's going down. It's for sure it's going down. No, 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 no. No, nope, nope, nope. Name it, see it, but don't identify with it, right? Name the sensations, name the thoughts. We said this last week. Feelings are real, but they're not reliable, right? Feelings are real, but they're not reliable. Name it, see it. Name the real feeling with anxiety or even with a panic attack. Name the real thing. It's not reliable. You got to know it's not true, but you know, uh, specifically with panic attacks, you got to work through the process. Your body started the thing. You're like, all right, let's see where this goes. All right, hands getting real sweaty. Yep, shortness of breath. Okay, see how, see how far you can take it. You're not going to die. See how far you can take it because as you process, as you work through that thing, that's how you work through it and that's how things get better. I'll sit more on that in a little bit. But number two, let it be. Let it be. Don't fight it. Don't try to fight it. Don't try to make it go away. Don't try to fight it. The very act of not fighting it is what's going to help us process. Why? Because once you start going through the anxiety and start looking at it in the face and going through it, it's hard and it's scary. But once you start doing it more and more and more, um, your brain is going to learn, oh, that's it? Oh, that's not that big of a deal. And it happens again. And your brain's like, oh, yeah, I, I don't think that's as big of a deal as I thought. And you go through it again. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's really not a big deal. And then you don't go through it anymore because your brain has learned. But we need to rewire our brains because there's some, there's a, remember, there's a disconnect um, with anxiety. There's a disconnect between um, what we're feeling, which is very real, but also the reality of the, the, the false lie that we tend to believe about the doom of the future. All right? So once you can start doing that, once you start accepting it and see it, and then you let it be, there's uh, the anxiety. It's no longer the anxiety of the anxiety. So we're not going to demand um, that the anxiety goes away. We're just going to do um, the opposite. All right? So imagine this. Imagine right now here in this room, birds just start flying in. These birds come in, right? Out of nowhere. These birds come in. They start flying. Okay, so what do we do? We notice it. We notice the birds. Okay, I see the black bird. Okay, I see the red bird. Oh, I see the really green bird. That's a real scary one. Okay, I see, um, okay, the, okay the, the green and the red bird, I think they're a couple. <laughs> they're doing something over there. You see it? I wasn't meaning to go there, but y'all. <laughs> you see it and you observe it, right? But don't grab the bird and make a nest for them. You're going to feel this anxious feelings, right? But don't like, okay, I see you, bird. I see you, bird. And yeah, I'm a bird person now. Yeah. Right? Caca, yeah. <laughs> when, when anxiety comes in, when the birds start coming in, you see it. You notice it. You observe it. But let it be. Let the birds fly. Don't force them out of the room. The birds will go out on their own time. And the more that you see the birds, the more that you... Let them be. Number three, here's what you do. Go about your business. You keep doing what you need to do. You keep going to places where you know you need to go, right? 
You keep moving forward in life that's going to take you forward, right? You keep moving forward in jobs. You keep moving forward in relationships. You keep moving forward in friendships. You keep moving forward in family. Wherever you need to do, you keep moving forward. Go about your business. And it's hard. It's so hard, right? And the more that you do it, the easier, well, hmm. the more you do it, the more life gets better. I know somebody for a year went through a panic attack every single day for a year. What happened with this person? Accepted it and see it. Let it be. This thing's not going to control me. Go about your business. Accept it and see it. Let it be. Go about your business. So here's what I want for us. It kind of sounds weird. Lean into anxiety. Face it head on. Okay? If you're going to have a panic attack, lean in. You know what would be cool? You know what would be amazing? If somebody was here at the table, started going through a panic attack, and everyone was like, yep, we love you. And then got to go with the person and go where it needed to go and process the way you need to process and then showed up again next week. And showed up again next week. And showed up again next week. And every single week, panic attack is happening. Every single week. Anxiety. And showed up again next week. And had people just loved, cared for you, and knew that, hey, we're going to process this together. We're going to work through this. All right? So this sounds so weird, but you may adopt this phrase. It's okay. I'm just having a panic attack. <laughs> it's okay. I'm just having a panic attack, and it sucks, and it's hard, and I'll be good in 30 minutes. <laughs> just give me some space. Give me some time. Um, and you're not, you're not going to die. And here's what's going to happen. Eventually, um, eventually it's going to go away um, because your body can't stay activated for that long. And what happens? The next day, <sighs> let's face it head on. Let's do it again. So um, uh, about this time a year ago, uh, I was driving in a car because I was about to meet a person um, that I had to set boundaries with. And I'm driving in the car, on my way. What's happening? Hands getting sweaty. <laughs> Heart starts beating. Why? Because it was going to be an uncomfortable conversation. I don't want to have to go through with it. I'm like, oh, no. So my body was telling me, turn around, turn around, turn around. Don't do this. You know what's going to happen. Don't do this. <sighs> With the help of the Holy Spirit, I was like, no, we got to do this thing. Got to go about my business. So we go. I meet this person. We decide we're going to meet. Having a conversation, setting boundaries. And sure enough, halfway through the conversation, hands start sweating. Heart starts beating, shortness of breath, start crying, start having to walk around. My third panic attack in the middle of the conversation. By the grace of God, the person who I was setting boundaries with was actually very kind, sat with me, walked with me, kind of went through it together. Um, you know, 30 minutes later, it was fine. Finished setting boundaries, went my way. It was hard. It's hard. You got to see it, observe it, let it be. You got to go about your business. Okay, so let me give you some real practicals. We're wrapping up here. Where we are. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, been, it's, been, it's been a journey, y'all. Um, here are some very quick practicals. I'm going I'm to fly through these. Um, so here, you need to get your reps in. You need to get your reps in, right? So your anxiety is going to go down the more experience and the more reps you get. If you're constantly avoiding um, the, the things that are making you anxious, you're not going to get your reps in, and that thing will always have a control over your life, right? 
So you got to get your reps in. It's hard. It's really, really hard. Get your reps in. It will get better, right? Some of us were asking very early on, hey, is it always going to be this way? Look, if you see it, observe it. Um, uh, if you see it, observe it, let it be. Go about your business over and over again as many times as it takes it will get better. But we need experience and reps. And it's almost like a seesaw. The more reps and experience you get, the more your anxiety gets better. Right? That's how that works. Okay, next. Professional help. I said early on, I'm not a professional. I'm not pretending to be one. Sometimes I do, but really, I'm not. I'm not a professional. So seek professional help. Um, we have an amazing counseling center um, from personal experience. Amazing counseling center here at First Orlando. Um, if you're someone who's curious about that, about seeking professional help, um, if anxiety is a part of your story, um, after this, I'm going to be in the courtyard. Um, you, you can go to the Connection Lounge if you want to, but if it's more like truly just asking about seeking professional help, um, just come find me. I'm going to be. I'm wearing a. I'm, I'm going to be wearing a mask. So, so I may look a little different, but I'm wearing a maroon shirt. I got my tan shoes on. Come find me. Um, let's chat. Um, seek professional help. Um, next, medicine. Ooh, room got real quiet. <laughs> uh, hey, look, you have to get to a place where you can process. I'm not a doctor. I'm not prescribing anything. But if anxiety is a big part of your story, then talking to a doctor about medicine may be your next step. Um, you have to get to a place where you can actually process and function. If you're not at a place where you can process and function, you have to get to a place where you can process and function. And medicine can be part of that. I'm not saying it needs to be, I'm not saying it for sure will be. I'm just saying it, it can be an option just for you to get to a place where you can process normally and be able to start taking steps towards healing. Um, in my research, I realized, um, Dr. Cloud says this, um, there's a difference between some medicines and tranquilizers, where tranquilizers basically just numbs it and makes it better instantly, and they don't really have to process it. That's not really what we're talking about here. We're talking about medicine that can help you just get to a place where you can start dealing with it, looking at it in the face, and moving forward in that. And next, find safe people. Find safe people. Look, you can't do this alone. You can't. It's impossible. If you've tried, if you've had any success with anxiety, you know it's because you had really amazing people in your corner. You have to find safe people. Um, here, we're going to talk about life groups. If you don't have a life group and you're looking for safe people, bar none, that is the best place to find some safe people or at least find some uh, potential for some safe people um, in your life. As well as, um, if anxiety is not part of your story, practical for you, I'm going to flip it, is be a safe person. It, the most helpful thing you can do for somebody with anxiety, for somebody that suffers from panic attacks, is to be a safe person. Normalize it. Help them observe. Help them let it be. Remind them of truth and help them go about their business. Right? So if, for you, if anxiety is part of your story, find safe people. Um, or if that's not part of your story, be a safe person. Or for many of us, let's be both, y'all. Yeah? Let's be both. Okay, next. Four more. More practicals. Um, list things, some of the things that you can control and some of the things that you can't control. List things, things you can control and things that you can't control. So some of us, um, control was part of, the, part of our journey and part of our story or lack of control, especially for those of us that grew up in chaotic homes. Um, so make a list. Make a list of everything that you can control. Um, for example, maybe the thought of your roommate is terrifying, <laughs> right? And they blow up and they are just do whatever what, and there's just so much to handle. And the thought of even going home is just like, ah, and, but then you're like, but I live there. And, um, and they think we're friends. So 
I'm just like, oh, here I am. Oh, and you get so anxious and it just, like, oh, just rises within you, right? So here's what you do. List the things that you can control. Here's what you can control. You can control your response. You can control your behavior. List the things you can't control. You can't control their response and you can't control their behavior. So accept the things that you can control and trust God for the things that you cannot control. But list things. It's very, actually very, very helpful. Um, uh, next, observe why your body reacts to small things, right? So there's a continuum of bad to worse, and um, sometimes anxiety doesn't accurately reflect that continuum, right? So if um, somebody comes in and wants to do, us, do all of us harm right now, understandably so, a lot of us would start like, <gasps> get real anxious and, like, uh, and, be, and get real anxious about it. Um, but let's say somebody just looks at you the wrong way and, and, and your body reacts the same way. You get really, <gasps> okay, well, maybe not in the moment because you got to work through it, but whenever you're calm, why? Why did you react that strongly to something that wasn't that big? Right? It's a fair question. There's no shame in that, but asking why is going to help us take steps forward uh, to face anxiety. Um, okay, uh, two more. Uh, be okay with having your own opinion. Right? This one refers back to um, equality of adults. So for some of us, we're so anxious, like with our bosses or our superiors or our mentors or even some of our friends. Even we think that we're lesser than some of our friends and feel inferior. But um, a way that we can, this may not be everybody, but for some this may be helpful, um, taking steps to be okay with disagreeing and having your own opinion. Okay, and lastly, as Apostle Paul says, prayer. Asking God to come in to help. Asking people to pray with you, to help guide you and, and lead you, right? So uh, we're going to, um, I'm going to keep reading the Apostle Paul's. We're laying on the plane here. Um, he says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Set our minds, get our minds thinking about the right things, right? And he continues here. This is what part I want to point out. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. Practice these things. You have to get your reps in. If you go through the process, it will get better. It's not going to get better if we don't go through the process. It will get better if you do go through the process. And the peace of God will be with you. As we keep practicing, as we keep facing anxiety head on, it will get better. So here's how we're going to respond. Um, man, that was long. <laughs> uh, here's how we're going to respond. Um, uh, I'm going to lead us through an exercise. Um, it, some of you, this exercise may be the weirdest thing you've ever done in your life. Um, some of you may have done it before with me. I'm going to lead you through an exercise. Um, it's called the Centering Prayer Exercise. And for some, this may be the most helpful thing to help you take next steps um, with anxiety. Right? And for all of us, it's just generally good to practice. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead us through this exercise. It's going to be real weird for some. For some, you're like, I liked it. For some, like, that was so weird. I'm never going to do that again. <laughs> but I think it's helpful, and I think it's a way that we can help set our minds and practice these things on the things of God and cast our anxieties on Him. So I'm going to lead us through an exercise that will last two to three minutes. You don't have to get up. Um, and then after that, we're going to sing as a time of response. Um, but if you would join me, I'll start. Actually, I'm going to leave that there. If you can, um, just close your eyes.
Take a deep breath in. Hold it for a second. Breath out. A deep breath in. Hold it for a second. Breath out. As you're breathing in, it's the very breath of God filling your lungs. feel God so real. Now with your eyes closed, um, I want you to imagine an ocean. In this ocean, it is storming and the waves are crashing all over you. It's turbulent and you can't get your head above the water. It's crashing and crashing and crashing and crashing and all the waves are pounding on you. It's terrifying. And we're going to dive deep. So go with me, just with your mind, deep, deep below the surface of the water where it's calm. And that's where we know God is. We can see the presence of God. It's a loving presence. It's a peaceful presence. It's a shining presence. And we know that God's going to be with us. Okay, so let's go back up to the surface of the water. The waves are crashing. The first thing that we're going to do is we're just going to see and we're going to observe. So I want you to start noticing the things around you. What can you hear right now? Okay, I can hear uh, Lucas is playing pad behind me. Just change chords. There's a note. Back to the tonic. Okay. Hear the air condition? Y'all hear that? Kind of in the background. Maybe you hear the person breathing next to you. What do you sense? What do you sense around you? What can you hear? Let's observe. Let's be very observant, very aware, very present. Okay. Let's go back down um, below the surface of the water. Where it's for going from where it's turbulent to where it's very calm. Underneath, deep in. And we know that there is God shining presence. It's a loving presence. It's a peaceful presence. It's right there with us. Okay. And here's where um, God's going to journey with us in the real things of life. So we're going to come up to the surface of the water. It's crashing. It's turbulent. And now I want you to list all the things that you're thinking about. Just list them. Don't think about them. Don't dwell on them. Don't spin on them. Just start listing them. What's every single thing that you're thinking about? What's the job thing you're thinking about? What's the job thing you're thinking about? What's the friend thing that's stressing you out that you're thinking about? What's the dating thing you're thinking about? What's the family thing you're thinking about? List everything that you're thinking about. What's the performance thing you're thinking about? Just list every single thing you're thinking about. I'll be quiet for a few seconds. Okay, so now we're going to journey down deep 
below the surface of the water where it's calm. We know that there, there's a peaceful presence. There's a loving presence. There's a shining presence. Okay, now we're going to journey back up for the last time up to the surface of the water where it's turbulent. It's waves crashing all around you, trying to keep your head above the water. And this time, let's observe what are you feeling? What are you feeling in your body? Where is there any tightness right now? Um, what do you feel like maybe t some tightness, maybe just feeling um, you're uh, resting on the chair, like where you're sitting, Fe feeling your feet on the floor. What are you feeling? What are you observing? But now maybe there's some tightness in you. Right? For whatever reason right now, um, my chest is very tight. I notice it. My chest is very tight right now. It's kind of high. Um, I feel kind of tight under my armpit. What are you feeling? What emotions are you feeling, if you can do that? Okay, last time we'll journey down. We know where God is. It's a peaceful presence. It's a loving presence. It's a God that lavishly loves us without any, nothing holding back. So I'm gonna pray for us and then we'll, we'll sing. God, man. I love my friends. And anxiety for me, for a lot of us, is so real. We know, God, that you are with us. We can trust you. We can cast our anxieties on you. God, I pray that tonight, maybe there's some steps for breakthrough for some of us, that for the first time in our life, we have hope. We know there's a better way, trusting in your son, Jesus, taking steps forward, have amazing people around us. God, I'm just praying for breakthrough. But God, we're going to trust you. We're going to trust you with our anxiety that you may start bringing healing and restoration as we go through the process and become more like you, knowing that anxiety in Jesus' name does not have us any control over us. And we're imperfect, so it's going to take time, and we're okay with that. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.